the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Former Reds manager, 15-year major league pitching coach as well. Brian Price joining the show. Brian, thanks so much for the time today. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hope things are going well out there in uh, in St. Louis. Absolutely doing well. So I, I wanted to get you on because the Cardinals have a lot of questions about their pitching right now. Um, and this is the time of the year, as you know, where when you've got pitching news, it's typically bad news. And the Cardinals have a couple of those with Miles Michaelis and KK dealing with some injuries. I wanted to get your expertise on this because Miles Michaelis is coming back from what is a a forearm strain that he got surgery on, and now he's dealing with shoulder tightness as well. In your experience, Brian, uh, what should Cardinals fans be, as a pitching coach rather, what were you looking for when you had a guy coming back from an injury like that, the forearm injury, and then they have the shoulder issue as well. What 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 are some of the hesitations that you have as a pitching coach when you see that? Well, I think first and foremost is really taking a good hard look at the delivery because quite often uh, when uh, one of the joints is affected, if the elbow is affected, quite often uh, when you start to do your rehabilitation throwing, is you allow the shoulder then to dominate the throw and vice versa. And, and I've been through both as a, as a cruddy minor league pitcher. And I, I know that, um, that that's what happens. And so it's really important to understand the mechanics and the history of the pitcher's throwing action and be able to get back to that point where you'd never allow them to favor one or the other and overprotect the area that's been injured and is currently rehabilitating. That, that to me, is the number one focus. Long-term, Brian, and I know you don't know the specifics of these injuries, but when you hear it's something that's kind of um, uh, bothering them and it's been bothering them, when they're able to come back, do you try and be cautious with the player or do you take that player for his word when he says, look, coach, I'm ready to go, I'm 100%. Well, I think they have to pass the eye test, and, and hopefully that's uh, by the guys that have been there, you know, and I think with, with Mike over there, uh, uh, Maddox having the history that he has with those guys, he's been there long enough to kind of formulate a history, uh, and I think that um, it's really important that organizationally that they're able to research uh, where their guys were um, prior to injury 
And and then uh, it kind of based on your 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 history with them, is, is this a guy that's going to tell us the truth or not? A lot of the guys, a lot of pitchers, aren't going to tell you that their arm's bothering them until they're kind of at that point of no return, where they know that they can't compete efficiently, effectively, uh, uh, throwing through the soreness. And if you can't spot it uh, and have it pass the eye test, then it can continue on uh, and become a bigger and bigger problem. So. Um, I, I really believe that you got to surround these injured guys with the, the people that know them best. Sometimes it's a minor league coach. You know, sometimes it's a guy that has a stronger history with, with a pitcher due to their, their history, um, you know, in the minor leagues. But in this particular case with a couple of guys you've mentioned there, uh, I think Mike would be right on top of it and be extremely familiar with uh, how these guys throw and how they should look before they're allowed to go back out there and start to eat up innings. Brian, how much, I mean, I I am curious on the inside, how much do they have, do major league teams have when it comes to the biomechanics of these players and knowing uh, based on um, how a player is throwing on any given day, where he's at in his exhaustion levels and all of these things. Can you, can you bring us inside of that clubhouse a little bit on how much these teams are tracking those sorts of things? Well, certainly some more than others, you know, um, when I was coaching and, and, uh, you know, and on the West coast in Seattle, Arizona, and then out in Cincinnati and eventually Philadelphia, it was, you know, things have morphed quite a bit. And I think the game is becoming more uh, aware and, and somewhat dependent on, um, biomechanics and, uh, and, uh, historicals on pitchers. And, but, but at times, you know, you'll have uh, other organizations that, are a little slower in that process, you know, for me personally, because I wasn't uh, engulfed in the biomechanics uh, and analytics um, in in my time as a pitching coach, I I would always stress the familiarity that one has with a pitcher, because sometimes it's, it's maybe you see something in biomechanics or in the data, but a lot of times it's what you see through trusted conversations that you have with the pitcher. And it's not to say that, you know, that the eye test is, is necessarily better than what you can find in a biomechanics reading. Uh, nevertheless, I think that it's imperative that for the teams that don't have, uh, you know, coaches that have a history with particular pitchers that you lean more on the, on the, uh, on the data that you get through analytics and uh, biomechanical research. We're talking with Brian Price, former Cincinnati Reds manager, spent 15 years as a Major League Baseball pitching coach. Brian, a player that I know you're familiar with from your time managing the Reds, Alex Reyes, who a lot of Cardinals fans are excited about now that he is healthy. But the Cardinals have kind of put some innings limitations on Alex this season. From a manager's perspective, how do you go about, and really a pitching coach's perspective, how do you go about sticking within that 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 pitching restriction for him in a season but also trying to get the most out of a guy that you can try and put back into your rotation yeah it is really the nearly impossible question to answer because you know we've seen it right (laughs) we've seen it with Strasburg and you have a guy that you're able to ride and he gets you really close to postseason and then maybe because you want to respect uh, the limitations that you've put on him in respect to his long-term health that he can't help that he can't help you in the postseason and there's, there's an argument on both sides of that. And, and truth, truth be told, you, you, no one knows the answer because you don't really know if you would have let him go if he would have pitched his team into the, deep into the playoffs or the World Series or if he would have gotten hurt. So it's the, 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 
each picture is so individual. It, 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 to me, it, it, it's hard to say that there's a one size fit all mentality on how you go about developing pitchers and bringing guys back from injuries. I think the worst thing to me, the, I shouldn't say the worst, but let me say the most challenging is when you try to control innings on the front end of the season by uh, either piggybacking a starting pitcher or using a, a typically a starting pitcher as a reliever in the first half and try to bring him in, build him up to be a starter in the second. I just I haven't seen a great deal of success with that philosophy. And, you know, for me, if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of asking these guys to do a little bit more than a little bit less, uh, just because history to me suggests that the more you throw, the stronger you get, the better you are if you're doing it responsibly. And I think what's happened in our game is that instead of building guys up, we're building them down. We're asking them to do less. And then we're saying, okay, well, if it's Reyes or whoever it may be, well, if he only throws 100 innings this year or 90 or 110, you're in the same situation next year. Because if he's going to make 30, 30 plus starts, he's going to throw 170 innings or better. So how do you make that jump from 100 or 110 to one year, 180 or 190 if you go to the postseason? So it's just a, it's a mean, cruel situation for everyone that goes through it and has to deal with it. But, you know, my, my, you know, my feeling is, is that you've got to, if you're going to err, err on the side of asking these guys to responsibly do more, to stay on a regular routine and let the eye test tell you what they can and can't do. The other tough thing, Brian, and this is something we've been talking a lot about in recent weeks since the Cardinals have basically made it known that they're going to probably lean towards uh, being a reliever for Alex Reyes. They want to get him 80 to 100 innings is what they've said publicly this season. How difficult is that as a exclusively as a reliever to be able to get a guy that many innings when you're also probably going to have some days if he's coming off of a two inning appearance where he's unavailable for a day or two afterwards? How how tough is it to get a guy that high up in the innings exclusively coming out of the pen? Well, I think the challenge even more so is um, is uh, saying that that's your number one goal, because truth be told, the number one goal is going to be to win. They don't take a three or five year stretch of time and say, Hey, we're not going to be very good, but we're going to get our prospects in a row and we're going to downsize on our payroll. And then we're going to build back up and be ready to go in five years. I mean, they're not going to do that. So what matters in St. Louis is that they win. And so if Reyes is great, you can continue to keep them in ball games and, and accrue innings. And in maybe that, that uh, first reliever in type role where he comes in after the starter and pitches you know, anywhere from one to three innings. But if he's struggling um, and the team needs to win some ball games, it's hard to stick with a guy with the priority being the amount of innings or appearances or number of pitches that he's going to throw. It's a really hard thing to do at the big league level, especially for an organization that expects to win. So I think it's a, it's a huge challenge. And I think in the end, I think if, if they're going to, if I'm just guessing, I'm going to guess that they're going to prioritize winning the ball game over, you know, reaching certain pitcher innings milestones. Brian, another scenario that I know Cardinals fans are curious about is is the possibility of doing a six-man rotation in the season. From a manager and a pitching coach's perspective, what are the pros and cons of doing a six-man rotation for a season? Well, I think the pros are if you have a bunch of those guys in your rotation and you're concerned about innings uh, and wear and tear again, I think you're talking about second division clubs or really, really young clubs um, where you go, hey, you know, we're going to, 
keep these guys on a six-day rotation, but we're going to, and that'll allow them to decrease their innings, but get regular work and continue to progress. I think with some of these veteran scenarios, especially with the amount of days off now uh, in, during the season and the, and the, the added days off, especially if they remain, I, I don't know what the schedule looks like this year, but if they remain or consistent with 2019 and continue to add the days off, um, then the challenge is, is that there are a lot of these guys are going to be pitching once a week. There's going to be periods of time where they pitch on a seventh or eighth or ninth day rotation based if they have one of those stretches where they have two or three days off in a week. And that is miserable as a starter. I mean, these guys are extremely routine oriented. Um, I, I think the, the safe money is staying on a five man rotation, especially, you know, you can say, well, Wayne, Wright, You know, he's older, whatever. I mean, this guy's, this guy's legendary and he's got his routine. I, I won't speak for him, but I think a lot of these guys that have pitched a bit are going to want to stay in a five man rotation, potentially get that extra day when you have an off day, but not to be thinking about having to wait a week or eight days in between outings. I just think that's going to be a huge challenge. And I've never seen that serves a great purpose for me, but I'm a little bit more of a traditionalist too. We're talking to Brian Price, former Reds manager. He spent 15 years as a major league pitching coach as well. He's joining us here on 101 ESPN. Brian, just another couple of questions here for you, and we'll get you out of here. I am curious, how how much has the job of pitching coach, manager, how much has that changed in the 20 years that you were doing the job? Great question, because it's uh, hugely. I mean, I think if you just go back and you look, my twenty, my first year in the big leagues as a full-time staff member was 2000, and that was under Lou Pinella. Um, and, you know, there were some some really big personalities, you know, with Larusa, Jim Leland, Bobby Cox, guys like that that were, that were in the game, you know, at that time. Uh, Phil Garner, and, you know, there, there's any number, uh, Johnny Oates, et cetera, of guys that were really accomplished, um, some of them very verbal, um, extremely challenging to the player, uh, you know, and um, really were the manager drove the, the bus. He, he made a lot of the final decisions when it came to roster. He went to the GM when he needed to make a roster move to get somebody in there. There might be a particular player he wanted to see from the minor leagues that was performing well. And so much went through the manager's office. And now I think first stop, is front office when it comes to roster decisions, uh, in-game decisions, unfortunately, and roster usage. And that, to me, uh, to a certain degree, makes the game harder to watch if you don't trust it, that the managers are getting the chance to to, to call the shots. And um, so I'd like to see it go back a little bit to where at least there's somewhat of a combined effort, but I do like to think that you know, if you watch, a, you know, Joe Madden manage a ball game, certainly LaRusa back in with the White Sox. And mm-hmm. some of these guys have the autonomy to call their own shots. That game's more interesting to me to watch how a manager utilizes his his roster, as opposed to knowing that the starter came out after five beautiful innings, simply because there's an organizational front office driven stance that the probabilities are the guy's not going to be very good next inning. And you never get to see if he, you know, give him the chance to go out there and pitch and maybe throw a really nice ball game that you never forget. How much of that played into your decision to retire, Brian, out of curiosity? (laughs) Uh, Not as much as you might think solely because in Philadelphia, you know, Joe runs that situation there, Joe Girardi. 
and he's one of those managers that's earned the right to call his own shots. Um, and I admire that. I admire the Phillies organization. They're sensational people. Uh, and I think having Dave Dombrowski over there is also going to keep it that, that nice mix of traditional theory and some of the, with some of the new age technologies and philosophies, et cetera. But Joe gets to call his own game, which is awesome. Um, but I, I will tell you um, that I, I just don't enjoy watching the game to the same degree. I, I like seeing starting pitchers pitch deep into games. I like to see more traditional set lineups instead of all this platoon stuff. And I hate seeing the bullpen usage to the degree that it is and the sloppiness of the guys that come out of the bullpen as far as their overall pitch command uh, and this uh, focus on, on velocity over pitchability. It's not as watchable for me. So um, I hope we start to see some trending in the direction of valuing, putting the ball in play and throwing strikes. I think the game will speed up and I think, a lot more people want to watch it. We've already taken way too much of your time, but if I could ask one more quickly, Brian, if you could have one or two rule changes or things that would get it back towards the game that you loved watching, what would you recommend? Oh boy. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily rule changes. I do think, I think we're, you know, I, I, value the it is going to sound horrible probably to a lot of people but i really valued ball game being umpired by umpires you know um and and that may sound foolish because good people oh well remember you know all the cardinals right the cardinals in 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 kansas city etc you know and the whole play with sure with todd Orell and so on and so forth and what could have happened if we had instant replay but what's happening now and how it changes the game is it takes a human element out of it and it finds sometimes finds more than you want to find, like the stolen base. It's a clear stolen base, but the base runner and his momentum lifts him off the game by a quarter inch, and the infielder has the glove on, and then the base dealer that stole the base by three strides is out when he should definitely be safe. Um, there's certain plays like that, and the you know collision rule at home plate and at second base and things of that nature. I just think that they're 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 making the game the game's way too cautious. And the umpires, I don't think, have to be quite as focused because they can fall back on instant replay. And, and, and secondly, it's not even a rules thing. I'd just like to get back to a philosophical question, and that is let's get the game being back to be more diplomatic or democratic and allow more players with different skill sets to play instead of guys that are power, power, power arm, power bat, instead of having more guys that might find value as a defensive player that puts the ball in play, can get a bunt down, can hit and run, can do some things of that nature, catcher that can catch and throw, call a great game, not a great offensive player, but not drive the game by just really by power, swing and miss stuff and hitters that strike out 160 plus times a year and hit 28 homers. And we call that a good year. That's not a great year for me. Brian, I could spend all day talking to you about stuff like this. I sincerely appreciate the time today. We look forward to hopefully talking with you again soon as we go through this baseball season. I would love to get your thoughts on some of the things that come up throughout this baseball season. Thanks so much for spending so much time with us today. My pleasure, guys. Have a great year. Absolutely. Same to you. That's Brian Price, former Reds manager, joining us here on 101 ESPN.